Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Oh, welcome back to another episode. Yes, another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Tim. Welcome back, Tim. Yeah, thank you. It's good to see you. It is, man. It is. We keep pushing these by a day for various reasons. We normally record on Sundays, and today yeah. is a Monday, and last week we did a Monday. And it's funny, when that Sunday rolls around, I'm kind of like... Where's Tim? Last week, it really threw my week off, too. I was, like, super confused over the rest of the week of, like, where <laughs> I was. What day is it? <laughs> Dude, it got me, too. That's true. Well, believe it or not, this is episode 20. This is episode yeah, really? 20, Tim. 20 episodes of you coming in to be a rotating host yep. and and just sticking around. Yeah, I was uh, explaining to my boss the other day. I guess he had he saw our post on social media and he was like, how do you have all this time to watch all these movies? And I was Oops. like, well, I mean, you know, there hasn't been any sports. And so, like, it's pretty easy to, like, pick and choose in the evenings. And he's like, but weren't your in-laws in town? And I was like, yeah, they go to bed at, like, 9 o'clock. So I have plenty of time because I'm not going to bed till at least midnight. And even if I do go to bed, I'm sitting in bed and not falling asleep. So it's really easy to watch but something. who doesn't watch stuff at night? Like, I watch all of these movies in yeah. the evening. And it's just, I mean, the truth is, is yeah, it's at a point now where I'm pretty much every single night watching at least one or two movies, staying up fairly late. You know, I, I usually do kind of one when the kids go to bed and Alyssa will join me or she won't. And then after she goes to sleep, I usually put on another one on like the iPad while I'm, yeah. you know, getting ready yep. to fall asleep. But dude, it's so funny that he would say that. <laughs> And I was like, well, to be fair, I didn't watch all six things that we talked about in last week's episode. Right, you know, we nor bring, did I. We bring, yeah. you know, we bring two to the table. Um, I may or may not have watched some of them since then. But, you know, it's and I'm not I don't like I said on the, the review, I don't or the rewind. I don't have a TV show right now that I'm, that I'm in. So I've I've put it on myself to be like, let me just watch something. Let me just watch something. The first thing that comes to mind, first thing that pops up. Because got this little extra time during the evenings, and even with baseball and the short-lived hockey thing, uh, it's still hard to get totally invested. Because I kind of liked not being mad all the time when my teams yeah. lose. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tim's boss, who I know, I know who you are, and you know I know who you are. We <laughs> said in last week's episode we don't read books, so if that's what you're doing, buddy. Good on you. We're watching movies. That's just how it is. All right. So what else, man? What else is going on? We're getting by. We had a big baby update on Friday. Everything looks Ooh. healthy and good. And we now know that we're expecting a little girl. In December, hey! So. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently everyone thinks I'm going to make a great girl dad. So um, I'm cool with that. So Make a girl? Oh, a dad like, to yeah, yeah, yes, I'm gonna to be a, a good girl. girl dad. Got it, got so, it, got it. Yeah. I, all I yep. keep hearing though is like the comma keeps going after. You know what I'm saying? I just hear yeah, that you're yeah. a girl dad and you're a good yeah, girl right. dad. You're a good girl <laughs> dad. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of people told me that too. I was very nervous. So my first was a boy, which I felt, I felt, and this is not to to scare you in any way, but I felt really good about having a boy for my first kid because I understood. Boy. This is exactly what I I I was hoping for. I was like, mm -hmm. I think I'll be able to handle this really well. And I was kind of scared of having a boy. I mean, that's not to say we won't have one again down the road. Uh, but I think we said if we had a girl and everything works out healthy, then that will be it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily <laughs> anticipate anything more. But um, my wife is super happy. And all that was secondary, really. Once we got in there, and we were talking about this off air earlier. Um, 
you know, once we got in there, everybody's so uptight about the gender, but really as the appointment came closer, we were like, we just want to make sure it's healthy. Absolutely. Like, you know, Absolutely. that all became second nature. And to the point we, we forgot, we're like, oh, right, we got to find out. And then we had them write it down so we could read it together. Um, since we're still in COVIDness, I wasn't allowed into the appointment directly, but I was conferenced in to see like the ultrasound stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so we were kind of like, oh, right, now we got to find out the gender. So once we knew everything was good and healthy, that was kind of more of a, a relief than anything else. And, no, I mean, we haven't seen doubt. it. So. At the end of the day, first of all, that's not what this podcast is. So <laughs> this isn't like a, a child psychology podcast. But at the end of the day, man, you've got a healthy baby girl on the way, yeah. and there is yep. nothing better. I'm so, so, so excited for you guys. It's, it's we'll awesome. Be, uh, Yep, and we'll be able to take some more bags of stuff off your hands. Oh, it's done. It's done. <laughs> um, we, we've already been bagging stuff up. Actually, Gracie just made the jump to 18-month clothes, so I've got 12-month stuff galore for you guys. Sweet. It's coming. Let's see. What else? Yeah, well, here at uh, at Casa de Frank, um, yeah. yeah, man, just still plugging away. Hungry. Still hungry. Mm, um, yeah. But things are going well, I guess. I've I so I think I'm past the the withdrawal phase. And last week I actually did really well. Like I came in every day still in like the quote healthy eating zone, right? But leaving points on the board, which yeah. uh which was a good feeling. I think I ended the week like my weekly points were up to 60 from like 42 because you get rollovers and stuff, right? Yep been hitting my exercise marks and and generally feeling pretty good i think though now i'm at that phase of like genuine craving mode so it's not so much the withdrawals but now it's like you know two three weeks now of pretty much only eating chicken and or turkey and i'm about to like burn something to the ground if i don't get you know beef or something fried into me yep but I'm trying to hold strong, and, uh, yeah. and we're trying to find like you know different ways to kind of make that happen. So can't really have French fries, but we found this recipe for essentially like uh you know like lakas, um, yeah. that uh, you know they kind of crisp up and stuff. You know I'm I'm hoping maybe that will sort of give me a bit of a an homage <laughs> to yeah. the fried foods that I'm missing. This, this is- does an air fryer help at all in those situations? Dude, I was just thinking about that. So I looked up I looked up that for I was like, man, can you make fries in that? And I mean I would assume yes, you can. You can. I make everything in it. I make wings, we make fries. I oh. haven't tried straight like fresh fries, like I throw bagged fries in there. But like Well, those think, are already fried. Right. So yeah. I feel like if you uh, we used to bake some potatoes i feel like if you cut them thin enough and dry them out i think there's i'm sure there are recipes out there for throwing some potatoes in the air fryer yeah there's i mean the one thing there's a recipe so we got the weight watchers cookbook like free you know with signing up and they have a recipe for french fries but when you look at it it's like you know the serving size is 10 fries and you're just kind of like i mean maybe it'll be different if i look at it but I was like, 10 fries, you know, then is it worth even having it? Like, I feel like at the end of the 10, I'm just going to want more. Right. So it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. In a way, you kind of think maybe it's just better not doing it. But uh, but we, we keep trudging on. I think I'm down, I think I'm down 12 pounds now. So, nice. yeah, man, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, um, st- I stopped I stop measuring. I got a pregnant wife. So yeah. Oh, up. dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> I put on so much weight for each pregnancy. <laughs> anyway, and it was totally by choice. I was just like, oh, yeah, well, my wife's pressed sympathy weight, right? And they're like, Frank, you weighed a 1,000 pounds before she was pregnant. Um, okay, so let's jump in. Um, yeah. This one, whoo-hoo. If you watched it, I'm really curious to see what people think about this one. I struggled yeah. with kind of writing this up. Uh, I still don't have anything written. Tim and I were actually meeting right before this, just trying to flush out some stuff. I don't know. I have some feelings about this one. This week yep. was a uh, long shot. Yep. Long shot. Um, okay, so first things first, spoiler alert, 
uh, it's a deep dive, so we're going to talk about things that uh, might be minor spoilers or j just straight-up spoilers. I'm sure we're going to just straight-up spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet and you think you want to and you don't like spoilers, go check it out first. Where can you watch it? It is available now on Cinemax. Um, I know that through Amazon Prime Video, which is where I do most of my digital content, purchasing, renting, and subscribing, you know, uh, Cinemax offers a seven-day, so you can sign up for, like, the channels, right? And I'm yep. sure it's the same for other other programs. Yeah, I did it through uh, Apple TV. Right, the, exactly. The Cinemax trial. Yep. Yep, so you can subscribe to Cinemax. They usually do the seven-day free trial before the $10 a month subscription fees begin to hit. So if you want to see it, you can do that. Just watch it there. Cancel it. Boom. Watch it for free. All right, if you like Cinemax and you like what they have on there, keep it. I'm, we're not telling people not to pay them uh, right. but you know if this is all you want to see what does it hurt um so yeah if you haven't seen it yet and you think you want to go do that if you have continue listening now and let the spoilers begin okay the details long shot released in 2019 it was directed by Jonathan Levine. Um, Jonathan Levine has directed a lot of Seth Rogen stuff. He did 50-50. Warm Bodies was not a Seth Rogen one, but uh, I hear really good things about that one, actually. Nicholas Holt and I think Teresa Palmer, Okay, where he's a zombie. Anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He did The Night Before, and he also did Snatched, which was the Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer yeah. follow-up to Trainwreck, right? Yep. Yep. It was written by Dan Sterling and Liz Hanna. Dan Sterling, he wrote the interview uh, with Seth Rogen and Franco, uh, James mm -hmm. Franco. And other than that, he's done mostly episodes of TV, but big time shows. Like he's done episodes for The Office, King of the Hill, South Park. Uh, so quite a prolific writer, although yeah. not uh, like hugely prolific in feature films. Mm-hmm. And Liz Hanna, probably the biggest credit I saw for her for writing uh, was The Post, which was the Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep yeah. movie. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty big deal. So, okay, budget for this one was $40 million, and the worldwide gross was only $53.8 million. Uh, so this one was not a commercial success. Yeah. And, and I guess I can see that. I mean, rom-coms can tend to suffer as it is, which is, we'll get into that. This is primarily yeah. what this movie is. Um, and then the cast is what we know it is. Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, June Diane Raphael, who I'm a big fan of, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, Ravi Patel, Bob Odenkirk is is kind of a, a nice plug-in from time yeah. to time in this one. Andy Serkis. And, oh, yeah. okay. I, yep. Got yes, <laughs> Andy Serkis and Alexander Skarsgård. So uh, Andy Serkis plays Parker Wembley, who's like the Fox News, basically, you know, mogul guy, which... Uh, he looks like a cross between Steve Bannon. I, I don't... He, there was oh, no, that's a good pull. He does yeah, look the, like him. There was a little Steve Bannon going on there. I, but there was just some... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he amazes me. He yeah. amazing, like him and Gary Oldman are like the two actors who can just become other people where yep. they are unrecognizable. I, I think yep. even him more so, you know, I, I think Gary Oldman becomes somebody, you know, like through and through, unlike anyone I've ever seen. But yeah. Andy Serkis just physically can transform through makeup and all this stuff. And you're just like, oh, it's it. Usually, if you don't know who someone is and it looks like they're wearing a lot of prosthetics, it's probably Andy Serkis. Yeah, or they're doing some amazing work CGI-wise. It's probably Andy Serkis. <laughs> right, like, right, right. I mean, this this character really ends up being a cross between like Steve Bannon, Gollum, and Jim and Jiminy Glick, like there's just there's just <laughs> oh dude, I love Jiminy Glick so much. Oh, Yo, but you're right. Like this could have been Martin Short. Like, yeah, Martin Short might have been really good in this. At, at the beginning, I was kind of like that could be Martin Short. Yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. <laughs> yep. yep. Um. Okay. Synopsis. This one. Okay. Really, really rough synopsis. Charlize Theron plays uh, Secretary of State Charlotte Field. Seth Rogen plays a writer named Fred Flarsky, and they were not friends, right? But they knew each other in high school. She was his babysitter. She's a couple years older, and 
over time, they've kind of gone their separate ways. She's become the Secretary of State. He's become a uh, writer for a small publication in the city. He's kind of like this aggressive writer and, and try, you know, likes to shine lights on really nasty things. You know, and he's kind of a rough around the edges, mm-hmm. just kind of grungy looking dude. So Charlotte Fields is decided to uh, make a bid and make a run for president. And the one thing that's sort of lacking in her repertoire is a sense of humor. That's her lowest score. So she wants to bring in a writer to punch up her stuff and make her a little bit more likable. And she wants to bring in Fred. And obviously, romance ensues. Da 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 da. And we'll see how things play out. That's the general gist. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty simple. Relatively cut yeah. and dry. I mean, spoiler alert from the beginning, you know how this movie ends. <laughs> it is true. In every way. <laughs> like, yeah. every box is checked, happy endings all around. Yeah. There's yeah. not much not much to surprise you in the end. So that brief summary, that brief synopsis is perfect. <laughs> the brief synopsis that is somehow also a complete synopsis. <laughs> Um, okay, what else? We usually do trivia fun facts. There's not really a lot to talk about for this one. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't really find anything. I don't know. Yeah. Did you find anything? No, there was, I mean... There, little it's... little things like, oh, yeah. this picture was used, but that stuff's not really all that interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very surface level going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way. Maybe that's what this one should be called, surface <laughs> level. Um, okay. So let's jump straight into the overall opinions. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. You know, I'm uh, I'm not sure I fully have my mind made up just yet. Mm -hmm. You know, this episode might mostly be me talking myself into one opinion or the other. I will say this, though. I I saw this movie once before, shortly after it came out digitally. And I remember after watching it then, which was just a pleasure watch, just watching it for fun. I came away from it thinking that it was surprisingly good. I mean, it was good enough that I bought it, which I know that doesn't say much considering (laughs) how many movies I buy. Uh, But when I relaunched this podcast, I immediately put it on my short list of comedies that I wanted to potentially review because it kind of stood out to me after that first watch. That being said, after watching it this week with a more critical eye, I struggled with it a bit more. You know, and we'll get into some of the details as to why, but really, I'm trying to just step back and tap into that initial viewing. And I think if I do that, you know, this movie struggles in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for something fun, easy, and moderately entertaining, I think you'll enjoy this movie. You know, especially if you are a fan of Seth Rogen and and his brand of comedy, Um, I think you'll like it. However, if you're coming into this looking to get your socks blown off, dying laughing every few minutes, this is not the movie for you. I mean, I don't know. Tim, am I right that this was your first time watching it? Yeah. um, What was your uh, overall take? it, It just doesn't really... It just doesn't deliver on anything particular for me Hmm. you have pieces there that promise some stuff you know whether it's seth rogan and we've seen him in romantic comedies like um you know knocked up which you know i'll go back to that movie it's one of those movies for a while if i see it on tv i'll watch it like it has moments um generally enjoyable um but we there's it just falls flat in so many places that i'm that you're looking for things to excel in, especially with this angle of being a political comedy as well, political satire. I just couldn't help but feel like we did when we talked about Space Force. It's like there's just so much ripe for the picking in everything that is going on politically in this country, in this world, in our city, and everything is just so on the nose that it's just yes you know like they didn't go the route and make bob odenkirk a a trump stand-in 
but he might as well have been, you know, he, his character is, was a, a president, you know, uh, that pl he played a president on TV and he now wants to get back into movies. So he's not going to seek reelection. And you can see Trump in that, you know, doing it for the prestige and he's bored with it now. So he moves on uh, and just other elements of that and just how the political, how Hollywood thinks politics works maybe i so it just doesn't deliver on anything and then you have the, the parker wembley character played by andy circus who's just you know a gross media mogul which is you know kind of how everybody views anybody whether it's jeff bezos or um uh rupert murdoch or something like that right it's like you just they're terrible nefarious people who are just taking over the little man and they're gross and they just want to get in you know their political sway so it just didn't grab me on any level and there are pieces where i think it could have excelled and i can't help but think back to um for love of the game there's just so many irons in the fire here <laughs> that i just don't know that it does any of them perfectly it does some better than others but yes. it just it just there are pieces missing from each element whether that's political romantically or um you know uh uh Seth Rogen's brand of of lewd comedy. It's just it's missing pieces and it doesn't get there in all of them. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly spot on and a lot of what we're going to touch on here in a second. And and I think you're right too. I mean, the big the big nugget is that that was my big critical takeaway which was I didn't exactly know what this was supposed yeah. to fully be because it's trying to be a lot of things and and sometimes it's as subtle as as how on the nose are you going to be, right? There's certain areas where it is very on the nose, very heavy-handed in how it's handling the satire and some of these um, elements that are playing out, especially in the political side of this movie, right? Versus how many things you're a little bit more subtle on, which which I do kind of like. I like that Bob Odenkirk wasn't like a straight-up Trump because yeah. I think that gives it more lasting power. And, and also... <laughs> You know, I just thought it was funnier because, I don't know, Trump's not funny. He's enraging. And so, yeah. therefore, I think this is this was a smart move. But it's, I don't know, it's odd. Whereas, I guess, whereas Space Force is even more so heavy-handed. Like, yeah. everyone really is who they're supposed to be. That's the smallest bit. And I think jumping right in, I feel like this movie, and you outlined it really well, this movie is trying to be three things, right? It's trying to be a romantic comedy, and it's trying to be, I guess what you said, like a Seth Rogen brand of lewd comedy, lewd comedy, mm -hmm. raunchy comedy, late night comedy, yeah. whatever you want to call it, that style of comedy, right? And it's also trying to be a bit of a political satire. It's not all three of these things in equal measure, and I think that in the end, it tried to be one thing too many. Right. And that's the main reason why this movie falls short and suffers a bit, especially for me. And it sounds like for you as well, Tim, mm -hmm. um, you know, if it had been simplified just by one, I think the writing could have been a lot more focused with more room to really expand on some of the traditional tropes, key hit points and such that you want from these genres. And, you know, especially if you didn't have to waste time trying to squeeze in some of the others. Yeah. So I think of those three things, and I alluded to this before, I think the first and foremost thing that this movie is, is a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. Yep. So why don't we zero in on that first and kind of let that be our guide through the conversation and either let some of the things sprinkle in or we can touch on them separately in just a second. But mm -hmm. looking at this movie as a romantic comedy, my opinion would be that it accomplishes this pretty well. You know, yeah. all things considered, uh, what are what are the key points of a romantic comedy? What's something that it does well? I think the first thing you need is genuine chemistry, right? You need genuine yeah. chemistry between your male and your female leads, and and I think the chemistry between Throne and Rogan is there, right? And I think that the characters are written and developed in such a way that it makes genuine. Well, genuine might be a strong word, but. <laughs> Makes sense that they might be together, right? Yeah. Um, I think it sets up their backstory really well. I think yeah. it sets her up as well. Okay, you brought up Knocked Up, which was perfect. Perfect, mm -hmm. because I couldn't shake that movie out of my head as I watched this one. And the main reason was this. 
I can't come I can't help but compare them because looking at the pairing of Seth Rogen and Katherine Heigl in Knocked Up compared to uh Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron in this one in Longshot yeah. you know it's looking at Knocked Up Heigl was always, she just always comes off as like mean-spirited and yeah. I never really bought that she would ever fully accept Rogen's character as an equal in their relationship I suppose Right? Because, yeah. okay, so what are you looking for at the end of a rom-com, right? What you want is you want two polar opposites to come crashing together with this magnetic attraction, only to find out that their differences are too much to overcome. But in the end, each one discovers that they need the other for balance. And in that discovery, they themselves slide a little closer to the middle of the spectrum. You know, and so when they meet again, not only do they appreciate what the other one brings to the relationship and the balance that they bring, but they actually find themselves sliding a bit closer to each other. So they're closer than they ever were before in terms of yeah. like equals, same place, appreciative, whatever, right? Yep. And I never found that in Knocked Up, but I get that in this one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think what you see here is you get a little bit more leeway with somebody that you have some sort of history with yes right you even though they haven't seen each other in 30 odd years you kind of give somebody the benefit of the doubt and you're like oh yeah i knew them back in the day so like i have some sort of relationship foundation for this person so they might that might get you a little bit further with them. And in this case, it kind of gets him the job. Um, and so it gets you in the door a little bit more, as you put it, genuinely than, you know, in the situation that you, that we see in knocked up. Well, I think a key moment in this movie. Um, so when we have our meet cute, which is, it's odd, right? Because it's not really the meet cute, I guess, because they've met before yeah. as yep. children. Right, but but for for all intents and purposes, it is in the meet cute scene where grown up Freddy is meeting grown up Charlotte, Secretary of State. He tells us a story. So uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays his best friend. I think his name's Lance. Yeah. Okay. So he plays Freddie's best friend, Lance. Freddie has just quit his job because his tiny independent paper has been bought out by Wembley Media. And as a point of pride, he quits his job. And I guess there's this thing that him and Lance have ever since they were in college that whenever someone has a rough day, they take the other one out and get wasted. Right. So they end up at this party or not a party, a benefit, right, yep. that Secretary of State Fields happens to also be there. In seeing her, it sparks the memory that he has, this lasting memory of her being his babysitter, and she's at his house kind of talking about the, you know, she's running for student council, and she's talking about this huge recycling initiative, and it sets her personality up mainly, right? Yeah. So we get mm -hmm. a little bit of, when, when, you know, insight into her, um, and the type of person she is and that this is something she's been passionate about for a long time politics yeah. environment all this stuff right and then <laughs> but the reason he's telling the story is is this horribly embarrassing moment for him he's got a massive crush on her i think he sets it where he's like 13 and she's 16 yeah. something like that which seems odd that a 13 year old would have a 16 year old babysitter whatever uh, john mulaney has this amazing joke of like of of a uh, <laughs> of kids babysitting kids being like dogs being babysat by a horse <laughs> and, and that's all i was thinking about yep. and he just dude he kills me he's like and this is our number and this is the horse <laughs> anyway um okay so so i guess that's the stage they said he's got a massive crush on her and yeah. they have this moment that she's She's being genuinely sweet and kind. You can see that in how she engages with him in this scene. Yeah. Uh, and he reads that as her being attracted or whatever. So he kisses her and gets a raging erection. But the way she handles that, and, and as he's telling the story, 
you know, he says, I'm embarrassed and I'm trying to hide it and I apologize. And her response is, that's okay. And then you see like her boyfriend is there. He comes in, he makes fun of him and they go to leave. And she actually turns and says that she's sorry, right? You see this genuine kindness in her as a child, which we as the viewer can then extrapolate that into her as an adult, which we do in fact see play out. She really, she... Theron really plays the role of Charlotte Fields so, so well. She is fully powerful, right, as Secretary yeah. of State and and driven and, and just a real, real force. But she's also genuine and kind and loving. And so because of all that, you can see this world where they would meet because because of that history and because yeah. she is so kind. You know, it... It, it just, I don't know, it, it hit me in a way that I, I really, I really liked it. And it really made the chemistry between them strong. And that really yeah. carried me through this movie, even through the obstacles. This, this thing really carried me through. Yeah. I don't think you, there's, there's not any point in this where you don't feel that she cares about him as a person in a way, you know, she, took the time on her own initiative to seek out his material, to read right. it after they met and, and feel that like he, he could serve this purpose of boosting her humor score or, you know, and that's she what he was even, brought on to do. Yeah. And she initiates the meet cue, right? Like he sees yeah. her from a distance and is like, Oh, she's way up there. I'm way down here. And he's yeah. telling the story and she sends her, you know, secret service agent or whatever, her bodyguard to yeah. come and fetch him because she thinks she recognizes him. That's the type of person she is. Yeah, and same thing again when Maggie, her I guess is her chief of staff, uh, sure. brings her um, the writing samples from the people that they're considering. She took it upon herself to read Fred's stuff, and she says, or we could bring in Fred. And she kind of goes off of everything we're saying. She's like, I have a, you know, I have a history with this person to a degree. Like, he knows me from back in the day and like that can't be discredited when she's trying to be a genuine person you know to the the american voting public so um you know she she does enough there to show that she kind of cares for him you know as, as a person and as as this history that we've seen um and what he brings to the table um yeah i i definitely i definitely agree i mean i feel like when you sort of looked at it from the beginning, my wife made a comment of like, I'm going to be really mad when they end up together. I mean, we know they're going to end up together. <laughs> right. They're completely, they are utterly completely mismatched. I mean, there's just, that's obvious from the beginning, but that that is typical in, in a romantic comedy style. I mean, that's just, um, so there's, there's nothing surprising there about it. But I think even in that process, again, one more thing it does well, it hits the main tropes, right? And kind yeah. of that outline that I had given you, you know, just sort of ranting a bit, but where the polar opposites come crashing together and then they sort of learn a bit more about each other and they balance one another. All of that happens. And structurally, right, this movie is... is almost well written and i think where it where it suffers we'll get to in a sec as we talk about the ways that it failed as a romantic comedy which i think will naturally bring in some of these other elements that this movie is trying to be but again where it's successful is that all the sort of highs and lows the conflict that you expect in that three-act structure of a screenplay all really play out fairly well and while predictable right a lot of people will probably watch this and say i think it was one of the first things you said to me when we were talking about it you were like oh it was so predictable but how disappointed would we be if we sit down to watch a rom-com and it isn't predictable it's these are the things we want when we go see this movie you know we sure there are films that break the mold and and then they don't end up to you know the breakup is one and and so on Mm -hmm. and so but that tells you in the title this is not a rom-com the movie is called the breakup right like and so (laughs) yes there's times where we get these little twists but like i said these aren't rom-coms if we are watching something meant to really be this thing we wanted to hit these notes and the fact that in the end 
you know, so everything you think happens will happen, right? They they have this whirlwind romance. They fall madly in love. They're learning about one another. We're learning about them in the process. Lots of montages. And then, uh, you know, and then it all comes crashing to a halt when reality sets in, right? He's a grungy writer. She is Secretary of State about to be president. The optics of that don't quite line up. And, and, and it's not just like she ditches him. It's this brutal honesty of... You know, we can set you up. It's very pretty woman, right? Let me buy yeah. you an apartment and I'll visit you when I'm in town. And it's kind of, I want all or nothing. And then in the end, it's all. And everyone gets what they want. Everyone, yep. she's president and he they're together. And it's, it's everything's in a nice little bow. But that's what we want. And this movie delivers those things. And I think yeah. it does those very well. And it's, you know, structurally well and, and enjoyably, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Now, you were kind of, it was segueing into some of the things where it falls flat. And one yes. of the things for a romantic comedy that I noticed off the bat is we lack that constant uh, home base yeah. in this movie. You know, we think back to our last episode when we did About Time, and there's a hominess to, uh, you know, Tim's family estate. They're always going back there. They're always touching base there. Um, you know, even just the fact that you're in England, there's a romanticness feeling about the setting. And I think to, to other other romantic comedies that i love i love music and lyrics and uh, i you think about hugh grant's apartment in that movie right. as like a third character almost and it's a place where you feel warm and home and this movie doesn't have it there's a lot of jet setting and we don't spend a lot of time in any one place i think we're in fred's apartment a couple of times but other than that they're bouncing from hotel room to ball to gala to plane and we just lack that grounding space where they both are kind of vulnerable and equal. I, yeah. I, I struggled with that. I just, I missed that element. I think that's a huge, huge part that's missing. And what's interesting, right? And it's easy to say in a traditional rom-com where it's, I don't know, wrong sides of the track, rich versus poor, you know, famous versus not, that kind of a thing. It's easy to sort of stay within the box of, okay, we're going to make it London, or we're going to have it be this person's apartment, or we're going to have it be these, you know, whatever. Like I said, even if it's a country, a city, whatever, it's well-grounded. Um, yeah gets a little bit more complicated when you add in an element of royalty or some kind of a diplomatic position or in this case an elected position president or secretary or cabinet member whatever right when you start mm -hmm. adding in these factors of public service and and whatnot you you automatically add in an element of complexity that you have yeah. to that you have to pay attention to i guess where i struggle is because we've seen movies do this successfully, right? Like I think about Michael Douglas and Annette Bening in American President, mm -hmm. where we were primarily in the White House, and that was funny. How do you sneak this person into the White House? How does how do you have a romance when you're under scrutiny and in the public eye while you're aiming for reelection and and all this? Right. You know, there's these all the elements are still there and they're working, but you have the framework and the box. And I think you in particular, Tim, I find it interesting that, that really stood out to you coming from the theater background. Right. Yeah. You're kind of like, I want two sets, you know, and that's what that's what I want to see. That's where my brain sort of exists. And it's true, because even if we, you know, don't know that that's what we want, it is very much lacking here. There's there's a scene where and it's funny, but it was funny to me because I was thinking the same thing. There's a moment where they get whisked away after I think they're in the Philippines and there's a bombing oh, or something yeah. that happens and they get taken away. And that's where they have sex for the first time. And, and things really start to blossom in their you know relationship. And Seth Rogen turns or Freddie turns to Charlotte and says, where are we? And even she doesn't know. And neither do we. And you're just kind of like, what is happening? There's moments where I think you end up back in D.C. and you don't really fully realize that you're there. There's just there's a lot that is lacking in that. And I think it's because it's a little bit over complicated. Right. Because yeah. the mm -hmm. what you chose to attack and it's, I mean, the Secretary of State is a mobile posting. 
And, yeah. and so by choosing that as the person who is going to carry us through in our, in our lead, it, it automatically, it backs you into a corner where yeah. you've now suddenly lost a trope that you would normally have, a grounding place that you can always pull back from, where your comedy can come from, right? Yeah. It's innately funny as you try to navigate the complexities of a White House or the complexities of a city or the unique nature or culture shock of a, of a different a country or, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have that at your in your quiver anymore. So now you have to rely on other things, which further make it less enjoyable like for me for example when you don't have the comedy that comes innate in a location then you have to manufacture something else that makes me laugh and i think this is an area where they started to lean a lot more on the seth humor brand of comedy and just introduce yeah. lots of like physical gags and and lewd gags which i don't say any of this with judgment man you kick someone in the balls i'm gonna laugh harder than anybody you throw someone down the stairs hilarious you make you know poop jokes and dick jokes and sex jokes and all this stuff count me in yeah. but in this movie where you've really set the stage of this really sweet romantic comedy these manufactured moments felt very forced and very out of place. And I felt like they kept pulling me out of the sort of the narrative that I was, that I was really finding comfort in and really enjoying. And then these were just, they just stood out. They stood out so much that again, one too many things. Yeah. It's, it's the obligatory drug jokes and again, oh, I'm I'm 100 yeah. with you. You know, if you see Seth Rogen in a movie, you, again, we're thinking of Knocked Up or 40 Year Old Virgin. Virgin, you know, even though he wasn't the the star of that movie, you get you're signing up for something particular. So you have right. an idea off the bat when you see he's in this movie. You are going to assume it's going to lean lean a little bit more towards his spectrum of comedy in the romantic comedy end than it would maybe towards charlie's brand of romantic comedy and so but the problem is it's almost like they cast him and then said uh this script isn't really for him but we need to seth roganize it in areas where we can and so you're 100 percent right it, the, the moments are out of place and usually don't pay off there's a whole scene where he goes through security to go to this pseudo job interview at the at the State Department, I guess, is where he's. he's I think uh, that's federal. where we were meant to assume yeah. he was. Yeah, he's going into a federal building, and he was whisked away out of New York. She sent a car for him and drove him down straight from New York, and uh, he right because they were in New York when she picked him up. I think. Yeah, right? he was in the Bronx. Uh, maybe she. Well, hang on. Let's wait a minute. I guess she must have still been in New York, right? Because yeah. because they were just at the party. But no, I mean, she's such a jet setter. She might have been back in D.C. I couldn't figure that out to save my life. Oh, I mean, this is this is part confusing. of the problem. Where are right. they? But let's assume so, they're back in D.C. Let's assume. So he goes through security because she kind of like he's on this bender with Lance and calls him the next day. And Maggie's like, hey, she wants to talk to you. Can you come to D.C. or wherever? And he's just wearing whatever he's got on from the night before. His pockets are full of, you know, obligatory things that you would have when you're going on a bender with your best friend, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he goes through the, the security and he's taking out weed and cocaine and pills, other pills yeah. of some sort. And, you know, he's explaining that away. Energy um, powder. Yeah. <laughs> Energy powder and his, uh, uh, I forget what he says about the weed. Um, but that it was for it his anxiety medicine. Yeah, his anxiety medicine. Yeah. And uh, then he has a vape for smoking his anxiety medicine and rolling papers for also smoking his anxiety medicine. Um, and that's it. That that's that's doesn't go any further. There's no impact on that. But it was like, oh, it's Seth Rogen. We have to have some sort of drug jokes here. 
and the implication too he's just kind of like well you're not a real cop right so we're gonna just see how this goes and it's like okay again assuming that they're at the state department in dc state department has their own police force and they're absolutely real cops and what's worse they have nothing else to do but police the people who are trying to come into the state department it's not like they're you know policing the whole county or city or whatever and so this is not something like you don't just roll in throw a bunch of drugs i mean okay weed whatever we can make arguments for that here or there maybe he does have whatever but the coke and the and the un uh unlabeled pills and all this other stuff like there's no way and they don't even address it on the other side it's not like she sees he comes into the office and Charlotte is like, hey, next time you come here, can you please not have all the drugs that I, you right. know, I got to come and tell them to let you go or whatever, right? You're right. It just, it, it, it felt, and it took me out. And you know what, man? You don't even need it. You know, it's, it's a real shame that they didn't just let Seth Rogen breathe I don't know, new air because, because the moments that were, there was enough comedy. There really was enough in there in the romantic comedy framework where I was pleasantly. And I think that's what I caught on to the first time I saw this when I, when it ended, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I was, you know, and I, I think I just shrugged off the rest because like I said, I wasn't watching it critically and you, when you see that in a Seth Rogen movie, you're just kind of like, Meh. okay, yeah. like there it is. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think he could have done well in this one, mainly to be honest with you, mainly because of Charlize and how well and how believably she played her part. It really yeah. brought him in and and just gave him a space. There's so many parts of this movie that feel weird and it just like it just shocks you. It shocks you right out of the path that you're heading down. It's very distracting and it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, and I mean I think there's another uh, scene too later on. I think it's when they're having sex maybe for the second time. Um, they're about At least the to second one that we it. see, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Charlotte turns to Freddie and she says, "Bend me over and smack my uh, spank my ass." And he's just choke like, me a little. Yeah. yeah, he's like, "What? What?" And he's like shocked out of the moment as we are. And then she's like, "I mean, unless you're not okay with that." And he's like, "No, I'm totally cool with it. Just didn't know." And she's like, "Yeah, we can do it whatever way you want to do it first, but then you need to bend me over and choke me." And he's like, <laughs> "And." In the moment, it's 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 a funny exchange, but wholly unnecessary. So you're right where I feel like it would have been better served to have him explore something else. You know, we've seen Adam Sandler do it with his his raunchy, immature comedy, and then he you know does movies like um, Punch Drunk Love or or Spanglish or something like that, and he you can get comedy out of those situations. I mean, Seth Rogen is a fish out of water in this movie. That is just enough right there. Like pretty woman, right? That is enough. Set it up there and leave it. You don't need to introduce the raunch and the pratfalls and the drugs per se, unless they pay off. And then they do try and get the drug point to pay off a little bit, but that's complicated by more of the political aspect of this movie. Um, Yeah. You know, well, and to speak to what you were saying too, uh, again, with the expected moments and the expected tropes, I thought the first sex scene was hilarious. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. I yeah. thought everyone was in character. It felt in line with what we were watching. It was the right amount of raunch and you know lewd comedy mixed in with what this very specific rom-com was playing out to be. Yeah. And, and I thought it was hysterical. Now, you've already had a funny sex moment. The second one felt just a little bit, I don't know, grasping. And and it just felt a little bit redundant, right? Because traditionally, and I think about uh, Seth, another Seth Rogen movie, which was 
it's a Kevin Smith movie as well. Um, Zach and Miri make a porno. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of raunch and a lot of hilarious, and, th- and that's the nature of that movie. But then in the moment where Zach and Miri get together for the first time, it's this really loving and romantic like moment. And in this movie, the reason that scene seems so out of place is because leading up to it, Right, it is setting up as your traditional romantic love-making moment in the rom-com, where they're at this party. She has just been like wooed by the prime minister of Canada. She has shunned him because he sent her a really cute note. Seth wrote, or uh, Freddie sends Charlotte a really cute note that's like, "Oh, I have a crush on you." So she sneaks him into some back room and she's like, oh, I hear you have a crush. She had mentioned earlier her her favorite song. He plays it and asks for a dance. He'd asked for a dance earlier, but she was too busy. They have this really sweet dance. And then it leads to them in a room getting all passionate and whatever. And you think it's all setting up to be the moment where they make love and discover they are in love. And it's right. And then all of a sudden it's raunchy comedy. And, yeah. and it just yanks you so hard out of that moment that it, in and of itself, it's funny. But in what you have been setting up, it didn't make sense. And that's yeah. sort of the story of this movie, right? As individual parts, all the parts of this movie are, are pretty funny, right? Yeah. Some more than others, but it's funny. But when you put all those parts together, there's no gestalt there right like the sum of the parts do not equal a greater whole in this one instead it just feels like a mismatched sum of parts you're kind of like this belongs in another movie and that movie must have the parts i'm missing which is a real shame because again and i've said it a bunch those moments that are building they could have just paid off and been really Mm -hmm. great and we could have been like man Seth Rogen was surprisingly good as a rom-com lead. You know, it was, I don't know. It's, it's a real shame. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, not to beat like a dead horse, but you know, I, I think the point of what we're making here is the main thing that this is trying to be is a right. The Mm rom-com and in trying to, to factor in and cater too much and, and thinking, you know, and I'm sure it's not just, I think you make a valid point, right? Oh, all of a sudden you have Seth Rogen. Do we need to be Seth Rogen comedy? And and that's maybe partly for him, giving him a comfort level, but I don't think so, right? I've seen mm. enough of him. I think he can really carry per almost anything. But if you're saying people are coming to watch a Seth Rogen comedy, mm. then are they going to be disappointed if Charlize doesn't turn around and tell him to choke her a little or, or whatever, right? right? Which... I was disappointed that it was there. I think, too, you know, there's there's other elements that are lacking. You know, a traditional rom-com, you have the friends on both sides. They're usually mm. your real comedic relief. They're your pressure valve. Um, you know, Seth Rogen's is O'Shea Jackson Jr. Lan- playing Lance. And he yep. never really plays out to be much. He's barely in it. it it's even awkward when they're t- because he's jet-setting all the time. They're never even in the same place together. Whereas yeah. we get a lot of uh, Charlotte's, I guess, what's supposed to be her bestie, which is really her chief of staff. So even that relationship dynamic is not appropriate because there's times where Maggie is trying to be a friend or give advice and, you know... Charlotte straight up has to be like, this is not your place. Don't talk about yeah. this. You are, yep. do your job, right? Yeah. So even that doesn't play out. And and it's because, like, because you're trying to fill in a gap with the political, right? So when you're looking at the board, you're like, great, rom-com hit, rom-com hit. Now we need to bring in some political, we've had too much rom-com happening, right? There's too much blue on the board. We need some pink conflict from the political thing. Okay, now we've got that. Okay, now we need some comedy from the friend. Well, where some of that might fit in you're trying to plug in all these other elements and you're not yeah. leaving room for these other things to naturally develop and play out the way that mm-hmm. we would expect. Yeah. And I, I think at the end, that's really the damage that's done here. Yeah. And I think yep. this movie could have been so much better. Yeah. I mean, ultimately in the end with all of those pieces fitting together, we could spend a whole nother episode really picking apart how the, po- the politics 
the political aspects of this all just kind of yeah. fall apart because yes, it's the through line and ultimately what end you know, how the movie ends with her becoming president, but there's just so many things along the way. I mean, we sort of touched on it with, with the going through security with a pocket full of drugs and there's no, no consequence to that. There's no, you know, no reprimands like, Oh, if you're going to work for me, you need to not bring drugs into a federal building. Like there's, there's just all this stuff that's just, happens on just just happens i mean you know there's it's the through line but there are so many holes that you could poke in it there um you know and even just the whole ending where like this whole big controversy comes and oh shocking she's still elected and it's like until recently like that probably would have ended her campaign in flames like i just don't think you recover from that i just don't see that being a very as progressive as we are i just don't see her getting elected in this situation right so yeah it ends up being so i i think i think what you're raising here is is really solid as well where there's a couple of things right so in looking at this Politically, in, in terms of the political satire, number one, he's brought in to be this punch writer for speeches that are meant to build up this platform that she's that's going to springboard her to her candidacy, which is this environmental impact bill or, or whatever it is. And, you know, I guess it's this three pronged concept uh, what do they call it the seas trees and bees or something like that yeah yeah so it's you know attacking you know pollution in the seas attacking you know like deforestation let's say and then protecting mm-hmm. the pollinators right so they're yep. that's sort of the, the the prongs and and at first when they brought him in um freddie says no and and his yeah. commentary is you know is this going to be just like everything else everything else starts off huge and aspirational and this great plan and then it gets whittled down and whittled away into nothingness and and that's exactly what is going to play out obviously mm-hmm. which is going to be a main point of conflict and contention you know i think about you know, any sandra bullock movie or anything like that right where it's like oh yeah you know i'll give you this if you make sure that this gets saved. what is two weeks notice is that yeah. way like mm-hmm. save the mm-hmm. rec center and then of course he has to demolish the rec center and so now they hate each other it's right. the same thing here right we're, we're doing this bill and as long as you don't water it down we're good and of course it ends up getting watered down yep. but there is there are so many elements there so he's brought on to be a speechwriter. we see like one speech right she talks about all these negotiations that she has to have and whatever and we don't see any of that it all very much happens in the background but yet is somehow supposed to be this huge this huge part now the ending didn't bother me so much i think that was kind of the point of the whole thing anyway Mm -hmm. so at the beginning it's very much focused on how the public sees you here's your scores charlotte you know you're not seen very funny your wave is this your wave is that and so she's very self-conscious the whole time Right. She can't eat skewered meats because someone might take a picture and it looks awful. So she goes hungry. Right. Like we see her suffering through all of this. And of course, here comes Seth Rogen, who's wearing like cargo pants and and an 80s windbreaker and Mm -hmm. falling on his face and masturbating into his own beard and all these different things that when the public, you know, the perception being if the public catches this, you're ruined. If you're together, you're ruined. And of course, in the end, it's endearing because she accepts him and they love each other against all odds and the great love story and all these things. It becomes endearing and, and in the end, what seemed to be her greatest weakness, which is Seth Rogen, ends up being her greatest quality, which is her love for him and acceptance of who he is. And it makes her like an everyday person and more accepted by the public so i understand what you're trying to do but again there wasn't there really wasn't enough to make me connect but i guess on the political side that one is bothers me less just because sometimes that is the one that is a lot more implied you don't want to get into the nitty-gritty right Right. we've seen star wars try and fail like (laughs) you know watching whole movies of trade negotiations between intergalactic empires and plant like that just is not for compelling film you know so uh you know the fact that a lot of it happens in the background i think that makes sense yeah um i think more than anything though it's just the idea where if you just took one part out, right, then yep. 
you know, and, and I and I don't think the political side is the part to take out, right? Because you, I think it's key that she's a secretary of state, and I think that's important to the rom-com element. That's what's going to give us our conflict, right? So really, it's the not making this have to be a Seth Rogen comedy where that would just give you a little bit more room to explore. Yes, we've talked about more of the rom-com side, but you could also sprinkle in some more of the politics, right? Yeah. We can see a lot more conflict between negotiations and watching her be really good at her job and maybe struggle a little bit more with having to compromise so much right like how much yeah. compromise until you aren't you anymore like let's explore yeah. that a little bit more yeah because i think what what you're saying now is is really making me realize that like it's outside of that you know the the video getting released that's gonna ruin her it's just sort of assumed that she's going to win throughout the, you know, she's got the endorsement of the president and that's like the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Like everyone's going to love her just because she's not funny. Like that's not going to damn her election. Um, So it would have liked to, you know, the fact that it's called a long shot never really felt like she was a long shot. Ooh, <laughs> you know so I, mean? I thought about that very thing, Tim, because I couldn't agree with you more. It was very yeah. much implied that because he's such a popular president, whoever he throws his hat to is is like is the is the assumed winner, right? And yeah. and they're gonna be the next president. Um and she's very good at her job. She's also very popular. You know, there's certain areas, but you're right. She doesn't really have to earn too much. She's very much set up from the start as I think I think even Odenkirk says it. He's like, just don't mess up. Don't do yeah. anything to ruffle the feathers, and you've got it, right? Yeah. And so, of course, she's ruffling feathers with who she loves. She's ruffling feathers with her uh, environmental program and all these other things. So, but that's I think that's what's actually pr- kind of smart about it. Because at first I was like, man, she's not a long shot at all. She is the favorite. Right. Right. And she even talks in her speeches about being the underdog and rooting for the underdog. Well, you're not the underdog. You are the presumed favorite. Um, But the long shot is speaking more to what this movie really is, which is the romance and Seth Rogen. It is a long shot that they would end up together. Yep. And yet they do. So, you know, again, I think that's clever, but. I also would have liked more of a fight. Like, right, maybe she doesn't have the endorsement, but she wants to earn her way up anyway. You know, maybe she's battling a bit more, you know, because she she knows she's not going to get his endorsement. Or he's going to pass her by, you know, in for someone who will toe the line better. And she's going to tap into that, like, you know that passion that she has for politics and the environment and all this stuff. And we're going to see a bit more of that. And Seth Rogen is going to bring his passion to help fire her up through his speeches that he writes. And then she gains more confidence and more ground. That could have been really compelling if we Mm -hmm. didn't have to focus so much on, you know, making it something else. Um, But again, and you know, so, but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I think long shot really is talking about them and, and not so much about her, but uh, but that would have been really good. I think yeah. this could have. I mean, and I guess this is a good as good a place as any, right? Yeah. Where I, I think final thoughts, final review. Like I said, it has a lot of what you're looking for. It really does. Yeah. And and if you're looking for the raunch, there's some of that in there. If you're looking for you know the Pratt comedies and the falls and all that kind of stuff, there's a little bit of that in there. And if you're looking for a rom com, there's a lot of that in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's I guess it's a little bit satirical at times. You know, it can be a little bit clever. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's fun. Right. Yeah. But it could also be a lot better. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's easy to say, you know, something like, man, this movie could have been a lot better if it was a different movie, you know? And, right, right, and so, right. you know, we can't really do that, which is kind of where I was heading at the end there. It's like, man, if they would have done X, Y, and Z, then it would have been so much better. Um, but that's not what this movie is, and that's not what yeah. we're here to talk about. And and I think when we're talking about Longshot, it's just like I said at the beginning, if you're it's got a little bit of something in there for everybody. It's fun. It's easy. It's not overly complicated in terms of how much you have to think about it or follow. It is Mm -hmm. complicated in how many sort of 
elements they're trying to tie together in this. But if you don't get lost in that kind of stuff and that stuff doesn't really bother you so much, I think you're going to enjoy it. Me personally, again, I'm still torn, right? The first time I watched it, I was pleasantly surprised with how good the two of them were in this together. Um, But I also still can't shake that there's just parts of this that yank me out of the story and, and just really kind of halt my enjoyment and my experience of this. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to set this one straight down the middle. I'm going to say it's a five and yeah. I'm going to say it's a five out of 10. I think it's worth watching for free with time to kill just to kind of yeah. see it. But you know, it's definitely not one that I would say you should pay to watch, and I don't think it's one that you should go into expecting something amazing because that's not there. Um, yeah. But if you're just looking something to kill some time, maybe have a laugh or two, and just see some real potential, <laughs> then I think this one, you know, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. It's cute enough, and and it checks enough boxes. That uh, I don't know. It it it's at five hundred. It's a five hundred movie. <laughs> I I agree. It's 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 a lot of fun. And I think that if somebody were to say, "Oh yeah, I I like this movie. I like it a lot," or it's my favorite rom com. Okay, like I you know like I said, I, I can I, see that being there. I yeah, I love music and lyrics. Is it a good movie? No. Have I ever watched it critically? <laughs> No, probably for that purpose. Yeah. But like, it's one of my favorite rom-coms. Uh, 51st Dates is probably oh. one of my all-time favorite movies. And I know you share that sentiment. Is it a good movie? No, probably not. <laughs> but it is it is my absolute favorite rom-com. I love that movie. And it I think this fits in where people would say, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. Right. Ooh, I, like, could, I it, could see that, yeah. And and that's that term is debatable in you know you might hear if you listen to other movie podcasts or, or the blogs and things like that people have a different idea of what that term means you know whether it's supposed to be a critically bad movie and you still like you know or but I think this just I think that's what a five hundred movie is out of five it's like I'm never going to be like oh you'd like that movie that movie's terrible it's not terrible and but it's also not breaking any new ground or doing anything extraordinary for a romantic comedy so it is what it is which is fine and it does enough of what you expect it to do well um but it just gets bogged down by by some of those parts that are just unnecessary when it tries to to fit too much into the seth rogan canon of movies i i think that's spot on i think that is exactly exactly right um it's certainly not something i would ever judge anybody for because i could see what they see in it um, I just wish that it didn't waste so much time. Spot on. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that was I think that was it. I think we're good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. Uh, we we love doing this so much and we're thrilled to have you guys enjoying it and chiming in and sharing thoughts and recommendations and all that stuff. So keep doing that uh, on Instagram at pause reviews. On the website, pausereviews.com, through email, pausereviews at gmail.com. You can find all of that. If you go to the website, it'll take you everywhere you need to go. Or just go to Instagram. It'll send you wherever you need to go. And obviously, this podcast, wherever you get your stuff. Um, Let's see. Next week, episode 21 is going to be... Uh, a rewind which we actually have quite a few listener requests yeah Um, so i'm I'm pretty excited about that so i think that's going to be a hefty hefty part of the next episode um and then uh and then in that one we'll give you guys a heads up of what we're going to do for the next deep dive you know lots and lots and lots coming up we're so excited uh to keep pumping these out so thank you again so much for listening as always i'm your boy frank this is tim and we'll see you on the next one Mm -hmm.